Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Fussman. Not long ago, I was being driven to a speaking gig in Austin, Texas by a wonderful guy named Mark, who at the time didn't know I'd started this podcast. When I told him about Big Questions, he immediately was up to listen. That made me curious. When? I was curious about when because Melanie Whelan, the CEO of SoulCycle, had told me to learn all about my listeners, when they listen, where they listen. She told me I had to approach big questions as a business as well as a passion. Mark told me he'd listen to big questions on his commute. It was about a half an hour in the morning, then another half hour on the evening drive home. Wasn't hard to calculate that if my podcast went an hour, he could pause midway through then wrap it up on his drive home. But if it went more than an hour, like last week's episode with celebrity memory coach Jim Quick, it would take Mark into the next day. A part of me liked the idea of Mark being able to wrap up an episode at the end of a single workday, but I've also talked to people who said what they really liked about the podcast was that it's more of a conversation than a radio show, a conversation that lasts until it naturally ends. If it went on for three hours, great! I get emails from Oystein in Norway telling me he's listening while he's doing construction work. Sounds like he'd be delighted with an eight-hour podcast. I couldn't help but think last week's episode might have overextended the commute for a few listeners. Might be wise to experiment with a really short episode an episode that Mark could listen to on a single drive to or from work. That gave me an idea. There's a short segment of a podcast that I did with Scooter Braun that seemed relevant, and the timing was perfect. This segment touches on the one-year anniversary of the benefit concert Ariana Grande held in Manchester, England. That benefit was for the victims of the suicide bombing at her show roughly two weeks earlier. Benefit was called One Love Manchester, took place on June 5th, 2017, and the story of how One Love Manchester came to be is a poignant one and an inspiring one. If you're familiar with pop music, you know that Scooter Braun represents not only Ariana, but Justin Bieber, and Scooter's response to the tragedy along with Ariana's, really moved me. There are times in life when you get a chance to stand up and do something that will be remembered for as long as you live, and even afterward, and this was one of them. So I'm going to play the segment uninterrupted. It initially appeared in the second episode of Big Questions, and if you've just begun listening to this podcast, you might want to ultimately go back and listen to that entire conversation. This segment stands on its own as a testament to overcoming obstacles. Whatever difficulties or problems you have, I hope it inspires you to push through them. I want to thank my sponsors, Squarespace and ZipRecruiter, for making this possible. And just get straight to it. It moves fast. Here's Scooter Braun. What did you learn going through an experience where you're sitting in a a room 
and you hear there's been a bombing at a concert that you set up. Yeah. yeah, you're the manager. Um, I was in Los Angeles doing a budget meeting, and the news started to come through. And, and at first, we thought it was a prank. You know, it's concerts. Sometimes in the hallways, somebody makes a loud noise, or like people start screaming, and they start a prank, and there's just pandemonium. And it literally took about three hours after the bombing for us to get the proper information. And so we slowly found out, slowly found out. Um, and as the information came in, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then you're finding out that it was a bombing and children and mothers and fathers have died. And and it's not two or three people. It's a lot of people. Um, and Had you ever been in a situation remotely no one has. like that? No, no, one, no one's had a terrorist bombing attack at their concert. You know, in at least in mainstream American pop culture, um, there was a shooting of a band in Paris um, at their concert. It's a much smaller show. Um, unfortunately, we had a shooting in, in Vegas recently. But I mean, this is a concert filled with adults and children. Someone had to wait outside in the pickup area where the parents were waiting for their children. And look around and say, okay, there's enough kids around me who have joy in their eyes. Now it's the time for me to kill them and myself. I mean, the type of evil you're talking about, is it's, it's hard to understand. And that's why they made a mistake. The terrorists made a mistake. One, they chose children. And that united us. We put our politics aside. We put our religions aside. We put all these different things aside and we said, that has gone too far. And the world came together. The other mistake they made, they picked the wrong goddamn show. Because if they thought we were going to roll over, they don't know Ariana and they sure as hell don't know me. Um, and when I you know, flew to her grandma's house and I met up with her, I was so fired up because I'd been waiting to fight this kind of evil my whole life. Because my grandparents are Holocaust survivors and I wanted a shot at this. And I was like, we got to get back on the road. It was unfair. It was, it was a ridiculous ask of me to put on her. She was, her fans were dead. People were still being identified. People were still in the hospital fighting for their lives. She was, you know, suffering from trauma. She's like, I can never sing these songs again. I can't put on these costumes. Are you crazy? And after a day of talking, I went through the process of canceling the entire tour. And our insurance brokers, Lloyds of London, they were like, 100% agree with her. Whatever she wants, we'll pay you for the entire tour. She doesn't have to do anything. So it would have been a ton of money for her without having to do any work. And she knew that. And by the time I landed back in LA, I had 16 text messages from her. And she's saying, call me. I've been thinking. I call her. She said, Scooter, if I don't do something, I'm not who I say I was. And these people died in vain. I need to get back onto the road immediately. And we thought about it and I said, I need you to take two weeks. I want you to see a therapist. I want you to get your mind right because it's going to be a lot. And I have a crazy idea before our next show in two weeks, I want to go back to Manchester. And I want to make this statement. We're not going to wait three months. We go back now. And she said, I'm with you. I want to just stop it right here because I'm looking at a piece of artwork right over your desk. And there are four words, imagine, create execute, deliver. When did the imagination start for you to say, okay, I know what we're going to do now? 
it was honestly, I was watching the news the night after the attack and CNN put on a mother who was trying to find her daughter. Oh man. And when I heard her voice and saw the picture of her daughter and her describing it, I said, you know, we have to do something. And the next day they found her daughter. She had died. And the woman went on television and she said, do not let my daughter die a victim. And um, I've never forgotten that. And that's when my mind started really running. And I said, okay, we, we got to do something. We got to do it for this community. And uh, that community ended up being the bravest community I've ever witnessed. Okay, so the imagination has already been checked off. Where does the creation start? Once Ariana said yes, within 24 hours, I put together pretty much 90% of the lineup. Um, she started working on what set she was going to do. And I was on the phone with Live Nation trying to find a venue, which didn't come together until literally three days before the event. And really it came together because of the kindness of a, of a former footballer named Michael Carrick. So you're, you're playing this game and you don't even have a place to play the game. I mean, we, we had 10 days. We had 10 days to prepare it. So my thing was I was going to move forward with this thing and someone was going to give me a venue because they're not going to have a choice. And the only reason we got a venue is three days before the Greater Manchester Police, when we finally found a venue, which we used... They said, we can't give you enough security for the venue. We won't let you do this because Michael Carrick's um, game, former Man United, you know, Man United player. Great soccer player. Yeah, he, his game, his you know, tribute game is that day. And unless they move the game, we were not going to give you the place. And Sir Alex, great manager for the Manchester United, was like, look, we've sold 70,000 tickets for this six months ago. Like, We're not going to move the game. It's ridiculous. It's for Michael. I can't do that. And I called Robbie Keane, another great footballer who's a friend of mine. I said, do you know Michael Carrick? He goes, mate, he's one of my best friends and I'm playing in that game. What's up? And I told Robbie what was up and he said, oh, game's moved. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, game's moved. I know, I know Michael. He's a great guy. Game's moved. He's got kids. He'll get it. Game's moved. And I said, You're, you can't just say that. He goes, I'll take care of it. Literally calls me back 30 minutes later and he says, Michael's calling Sir Alex right now. The game's being moved. And Michael... I don't know this man, but someday I'm going to get emotional talking about it because that was a very emotional time for all of us. Someday I'm going to hug the hell out of that guy because, you know, it's his tribute game. It's his day. He's waited for it for a long time. And he put that city before himself. And I just think he's, that's a role model kids should look at. As this is all approaching, it sounds like there's just a whirlwind of things happening and you had to be, it's a little concerned about how Ariana was going to hold up because we didn't tell Ariana anything. That was, that was the deal. Ariana knows nothing, doesn't know, you know, everyone that's coming. Like she needs to focus on what she needs to do because this is a tremendous amount we're putting on her shoulders. And I said, I'll take care of everything else. And so she was just working on her, working music. on her set, what she was going to do. And every once in a while I might tell her, Hey, this person signed on. <laughs> like, but I, she, at one point we just said, you know what? We're going to, I'll tell you everything a day or two before the event. But for the next two weeks, you work on yourself and you work on your music. Cause I couldn't put that on her shoulders. 
too much. Could you sense her getting stronger and stronger by the day? Or I mean, that girl is, for a little tiny Italian girl, <laughs> she is tough as nails. And, um, you know, she struggled. Even, even the day of the show. I mean, the London attack was the day before our show. That was when we all really questioned ourselves. Are we really doing the right thing? And before we could even think about it, Chris Martin and Marcus Mumford called me and they said, we're British. Do not cancel this show. It's more important now than ever. And, um, but for her personally, and I only met her once, but the feeling I got from meeting her was that she really wants people to love her music because she puts her whole heart and soul into it. And, you know, there are other artists who you get the feeling that, hey, I, this is what I do, and I don't care what anybody thinks. Ariana has built a following because she's part of it. She, her fans are like a world that she loves and she's a citizen of that world. Like she's taken super fans, made them her friends and brought them on the road. Like she, she keeps in touch with these people when she's making her album, she'll play it for them before the label and say, which songs do you guys like, you know, to a couple super fans to make sure that when she goes to the label, it represents them, not just her. Like she, when she found out that fans of hers had died, she was she was so sad. I mean, she cried for days. We, there was nothing that could stop us. She she felt every pain, every face that they announced, every name. Like it was, she wore it on her sleeve, like every bit of emotion, because that's who she is. And the thing I said earlier, which she said, which I'll always remember, she goes, "If I don't do something, I'm not who I say I am to these people." And, and, and there know, were people who she actually had photos with prior, yeah. prior who yeah. some of these people she had met in meet and greets and right before she was going on stage, it hit her and she gathered herself. And when she walked on that stage, I will, from the rest of my life, if anyone asks me, what's the greatest show you're ever part of, I will say one love Manchester. That was the greatest concert I've ever attended. Because it was more than a concert. You know, those people could have watched from the comfort of their homes. BBC was showing it, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Everyone was showing it. And there was a tack a day before. They put 65,000 people put their lives in danger to come to that concert. And the artists, the caliber of artists, the amount of them that showed up, performed, gave it their all. It was beyond moving. I mean, it was it was so special to see one after another take the stage and just care so much. And, and it was just pure resilience, joy, and defiance in that stadium. It's, it's hard to explain. Um, and, and this was loaded with even more emotion because you and Ariana had gone to the hospital. To, to meet some of the victims. We, we went to the hospital and met a lot of the victims. And then we actually went to a private location and met 19 families of the victims who had lost. Um, 10 minutes at a time, one by one. And that was the hardest two hours of either of our lives. And well, what's it like? What's it like? I mean, look, you're meeting people who have lost loved ones within the past week. And uh, there's no 
nothing you can do to bring those people back. All it does is remind you of your responsibility to those victims. And I don't care what anyone says. Till the day I die, anyone says anything bad about Ariana, they got to come see me. Because she didn't leave. After the first family, we all were like, can we do this? And we talked about it and we said, let's keep going. And she sat and talked to every single one of those families. And that, that's far beyond being a superstar. That's being a superhuman. Um, Did you feel like you had to shield her in any way or help her or protect her? We helped each other. I mean, out of the first family, I had to help her. She was distraught. Within five families in, a father comes in who's basically my age. And he's with his daughter. And I'm sitting there saying, okay, what's the situation? And they said his wife was there to pick up the kids. And the wife died. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking... His wife just went to pick up the kids at a concert, and now he's a single dad. And I and I kept looking at him, thinking not only did he lose his partner, but he has to he has to do this on his own now. And I don't know. My wife is such a hero in our house; like I, I couldn't even imagine doing it without her. And I was was lost, and Ariana had to help me gather myself when that family walked out. Um, so yeah, it was, it was beyond tough, but every single time we got down, we reminded each other, we get to go home. Our loved ones are still going to be there. These people, they're meeting us. They're talking to us. There's a concert and the whole world's going to continue, but theirs is never going to continue. That mother's never coming home. That daughter's never coming home. That son is never coming home. That dad is never coming home. So we didn't really have a right to be so sad that we couldn't continue. And so you go to the concert. Are there moments that particularly stand out in your mind when you think back on it? Um, Yeah. Um, I added Marcus Mumford to the show the day before. And we chose a song together. He altered some lyrics and I said, you know, he just wanted to be a part of the show. And I said, I actually would like you to open the show because I think this song with these lyrics is very poignant. And then I went and spoke to him and I said, look, here's my idea. I, I would really love for you to walk out on stage with just your guitar. Cause it's, he's doing an acoustic alone. And I said, and say, may we have a moment of silence. Um, and then before you play, we just, you know, you should say something. And we talked about what it was, and he and I came to the conclusion that it should be, we should not be afraid. Um, Or we will not be afraid. I forgot exactly what he said. But I remember I was nervous. Is anyone going to come? Because the attack the day before, and they warned, they put out, the police put out a warning saying there's a high possibility of an attack. So why would anyone come? And it was packed at seven o'clock when we started, Uh, six o'clock when we started. And he did that moment of silence. And everyone was dead silent, 60,000 people. And when he said, we should not be afraid, there was a roar that is something that will stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, When Justin took the stage, you know, he had a very emotional moment with me when he came off. Um, Robbie Williams, take that, Coldplay, Kate, Kate, everyone was amazing. 
Ariana took the stage, and when she sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow to close the show, that was phenomenal. But the thing that sticks with me probably the most, the star of the show, in my opinion, other than Ariana, um, was the crowd. The joy they had, the jumping, the singing, the crying. But at the very end, when Robbie Williams performed early in the show, he sang, he altered a song he has, and he said, it goes, Manchester, we're strong, we're strong, we're strong. We'll keep singing our songs, our songs, our songs. And he would repeat it, and the whole crowd would repeat it. Our concert that was attacked, it wasn't during the show. It was at the end of the show, when people were exiting. So even though the show was this amazing joy for five hours, when it ended and people were leaving, there was anxiety. You know, this is when the terrorist attack last time. And all of a sudden, 60,000 people at the top of their lungs for 15 minutes as they exited started singing with no cameras on, no nothing. Manchester, we're strong. We're strong. We're strong. We'll keep singing our songs, our songs, our songs. Manchester, we're strong. We're strong. We're strong. We'll keep singing our songs over and over and over again. And that was the bravest, most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And I will never forget just staring at these people from the VIP box as they sang and exited. It was the most defiant, incredible thing. That about wraps it up. The takeaway this week is lasting strength. As Virgil once wrote, come what may, all bad fortune is to be conquered by endurance. Nobody can bring the lives that were lost in that bombing back, but Ariana can get the most of her own and be an inspiration to others. She was given the key to the city by the people of Manchester. She's got a new hit song out. It's called No Tears Left to Cry and a new album coming out soon. All we can do in these situations is move forward and make the most of our time. And Ariana has. I've always associated the song Over the Rainbow with the movie Wizard of Oz, but now I do with Ariana Grande and her close to One Love Manchester. As we close this episode, a word of gratitude as usual to Tim Ferriss, whose books, podcasts, and blogs have helped millions of people get the most of their lives. Tim is the one who pushed me to start this podcast. It's one of the best things I've ever done. I also want to thank everybody who's listening and Mark and Austin for joining listeners from here to Hong Kong. Please, let me know your idea length of podcast. You can leave a message at calfussman.com and while you're at it, if you're up for it, send me a photo of where you listen to Big Questions. Makes my day to see Marty in Australia, Camille in Barcelona, Sarah in Dublin. I can feel the connection. I want to make sure this is all wrapped up before the end of a 30-minute commute. But before I go, let me again thank my sponsors. We got Squarespace. I promote Squarespace because I use Squarespace. I use Squarespace because it makes the photos on calfbusman.com shine and the content crisp and clear. We're talking elegance here. So go to squarespace.com 
Use the offer code FUSSMAN, F-U-S-S-M-A-N, and receive 10% off your next domain name or website. Squarespace and ZipRecruiter. If you need to hire, go to ZipRecruiter.com backslash FUSSMAN and get a free trial on me. Just type in your job description and with a single click, you'll have qualified candidates in 24 hours. ZipRecruiter's algorithms will get you the talent you need. When it comes to hiring, ZipRecruiter is the most efficient way to use your time, which I suppose is the ultimate takeaway from this episode. Whatever you do, get the most out of your time. When it comes down to it, this moment is all we have. Catch you next week. Cheers. Thank you.